All right. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we looked at the challenge of the church, and that was immorality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, immorality was what Paul talked about. Uh, this brought up the conversation of church discipline, especially upon someone uh, who was confessing Christ as a member of the church, but also continuing uh, in sexual immorality, a sinful relationship. Uh, Paul not only confronted the unrepentant church member, uh, he also confronted the church. If you remember, uh, Paul was disappointed, not just in the church member who was practicing immorality, uh, he was disappointed in the church um, who, who was proud of it. Basically, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, and you are proud? In other words, you're embracing uh, this lifestyle, this relationship. Um, Paul loved the church. There's no doubt. You can see that uh, already in the first five chapters of 1 Corinthians. Paul loved the church, and he wanted the church to know who she was in Christ. He wanted the church to know that her testimony to the world was so important. Uh, in chapter 6, it's really a continuation uh, of that theme that we saw in chapter 5. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about immorality, but we're also going to talk about disputes. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 6 shows us that the church still had that problem that they had to deal with, immorality, but they also had to deal with the challenge of disputes. And when I say disputes, it was disputes within the church. It was church members arguing with one another and that's what Paul is going to deal with uh, in the first half of chapter 6. And then, like I said, we're going to bounce right back into that issue of immorality at the second half of chapter 6. So let's go ahead and begin 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at the first six verses. Paul says, If any of you has a dispute with, with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers. But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of believers. So, so this is a very important passage of Scripture. And, and listen, I don't believe it was just a challenge in the church in Corinth. Uh, it's a challenge today. It's a challenge today in, in churches in, in our age. And so Paul wanted the believers, what we hear in Paul's voice and in his words, is that Paul wanted the believers to handle their disputes with one another in the church rather than in the courthouse. Uh, Paul was shocked. He was shocked that these believers were suing one another and allowing unbelieving judges and courts to settle their matters. Uh, Paul reminded them, I love this, Paul reminded the believers of their position in Christ and the wisdom that was available to them. I love when Paul says, is there no one competent enough? Is there no one with wisdom that can, can help each other, that can settle these disputes? So Paul reminds them that 
in Christ, believers will one day reign with Christ. And Paul believed they should be able to handle their disputes among one another with the gift of wisdom from God rather than going to unbelieving judges and worldly court systems. Paul wanted them to know, hey, you've got every You've got every tool available to you. You've got the wisdom of God. You've got the love of God. You've got the grace of God. Uh, you are competent enough to handle these disputes in the church rather than in the courthouse. Uh, and then Paul, it's very clear, Paul wanted the believers to consider their testimony, their testimony to others. And I'm not talking about just an individual testimony. I'm talking about the testimony of the church. That's what Paul was really concerned with the testimony of the church. Paul understood that the world was watching. Unbelievers were watching these so-called believers, not just what they said, but how they responded to one another, how they acted. And he wanted the church to remember that others were watching, especially when they were taking each other to court to settle their disputes. Um, So Paul was very disappointed and uh, He made sure they understood that. He said, I say this to shame you. In other words, you should be ashamed of yourselves the way you are handling your disputes with one another. Uh, Let me give you an example, and and it's one that the deacons know about. So my mom, um, she makes these delicious pecans, Elliot, these these really candied, sugared pecans. And and a, a week or so ago, my mom came in and handed me a bag and said, I made these for Elliot. But Elliot's not here. And so I told her, I said, it's okay. It's okay. Um, And I had to apologize to Elliot because I ate those pecans. (laughs) Because I knew Elliot was not going to be here and it really wasn't my job to chase him down. (laughs) He should have been here to receive those pecans. And and so in the deacons, I did it in the deacons meeting because I wanted witnesses. Um filled with wisdom and protection for me. But Elliot said, I, I want to speak with you privately. And I said, well, let me go get my mom. So, so, so look, we handled that dispute well. Uh, and I think he even got some pecans tonight. So the Lord, the Lord was smiling on you. The Lord provided. So, and uh, I, I say that in jest. I say that in jest. Uh, obviously, it was some fun there. But, but you know, it, it is a shame. It is a shame that we get, we, get so, um, we get so focused on things that, that are prideful and, and we get so attached to things and it's territorial and, and we forget who we are. It, it, it's a shame that we as Christ followers, um, we get to that point to where we just, we want what we want, when we want and how we want and how dare you, Right? How dare you infringe upon me? Um, We need to remember as Christ followers, everything we have belongs to God. It's His. It's not ours. And as Christ followers, we are called to love one another, share with one another. Um, And you know what? Sometimes we we just have to say, you know what? It is what it is. Let me me show you what I'm talking about. Look at verse 7. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, 
you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters? Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, see, I love this because Paul goes deeper into what the real issue is. It's not, it's not the lawsuits. It, 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 it's not the, I was wronged, you were wronged. It's, that's not the heart of the issue. See, these lawsuits were really the result of church members mistreating one another mistreating one another and refusing to reconcile with one another in a Christ-like way. That was the problem. Listen, there are going to be times when I wrong you and there are going to be times when you wrong me. You want to know why? Because you ain't perfect and neither am I. We are imperfect people, right? And there are just going to be times when I offend you and you offend me and I disappoint you and you disappoint me. There's going to be times when you wrong me and I wrong you. But the way we respond, right, to that should make all the difference. Uh, what should have happened was wise members, wise leaders of the church should have served as arbitrators between the believers, which would have led to a settlement that was Christ-like, meaning reconciliation. Paul says as Christ followers, you should always strive for reconciliation between a brother or sister. And so Paul makes a very bold statement. When Christ followers sued each other in court, they had already lost. That's pretty bold. Paul said when you get to that point where you have taken your brother or sister in Christ to the courts, you've already lost. Even if the judge gives you what you want, guess what? You lost. How, how could he say that or why would he say that? So I believe uh, what most theologians believe. Most theologians believe that Paul was actually referencing the words of Jesus. That they believe that Paul was actually pointing them to Scripture. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You might want to write that down on your handout. In Matthew 5, 38 through 42, Jesus talks about an eye for an eye. But he also says this. He says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, then hand over your coat as well. So Paul says, wouldn't you rather be wronged? Right? Wouldn't you rather be cheated than to be the one who wrongs or be the one who cheats? Paul is referencing that message of Christ. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. Dr. Tony Evans says, The believers were wronging and cheating each other. Brothers and sisters, their actions did not bring glory to God in the eyes of unbelievers. Rather, it brought division to the church and tainted its testimony. That's what, that's what Dr. Tony Evans says. And so... This, what Paul is saying is this was considered to be disobedient, disobedient to the commands of God. Taking brothers and sisters to court 
and allowing unbelieving judges and unbelieving court systems to make a settlement when you have the wisdom of God and you have spiritual leadership who can bring you together and reconcile you, how, how great is that testimony, right? How great is that testimony to the community, seeing church members who have wronged each other come together and say, I love you and it's going to be okay. That's what Paul was saying. Consider your testimony. Remember who you are in Christ. And then Paul gives them another reminder. He reminds the church that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. That's what Paul says. The unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, let, let me, I, I want to I use another statement that Dr. Tony Evans says because he says it better than I can. Listen to what Dr. Tony Evans says, and this is about inheritance. This is not about entering God's kingdom. This is about inheritance in God's kingdom. Tony Evans says to inherit God's kingdom is more than just entering God's kingdom, the latter being by faith in Christ alone. In other words, you and I, if we are believers, if we've repented of our sin and we've trusted in Jesus Christ, oh, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. But the inheritance is something else. Listen to this. Inheritance has to do with kingdom rewards and blessings that will be received from God or lost by believers at the judgment seat of Christ based on obedience and faithfulness. So think about that. How many Christ followers are going to enter into the kingdom of God and they're going to get there and they're going to be there at the judgment seat of Christ and they're going to lose rewards. They're going to lose blessings because of a lack of obedience and a lack of faithfulness to his message, to his word. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. And Paul reminded them of that, right? And so these disputes that were happening within the church, right? Paul wasn't saying, hey, it's wrong to have disputes. What Paul was saying was, it's wrong to take your dispute to an unbelieving court system, an unbelieving judge, and having a settlement in front of everyone when you could have settled it in the church. That's what he's saying. You could have settled this dispute in a godly way that glorifies him, that, that brings reconciliation rather than winning in a courthouse. Because Paul said, if you go to the courthouse... You're lost. Even if the judge sides with you, you're lost. You tainted the church's testimony. And so Paul is very clear with his words. So, you know, that's a challenge. And listen, that's a challenge today. And again, um, none of us, I believe, want to intentionally wrong someone. But sometimes it's going to happen. And when it happens, what we've got to do is we've got to turn to God and we've got to use the wisdom of God to reconcile. Reconciliation has to be the goal. And, and if we have to have other church leaders, church members filled with the Spirit and filled with wisdom as arbitrators, then so be it. But, but, but Paul was very clear. The church's testimony is at stake. The, the way we handle our disputes with one another, it'll make all the difference in the community and the world we live in. It'll either glorify God or to glorify self. So Paul comes back to another issue, another challenge in the church, and um, it's one that's going to keep popping up. Let me just go ahead and tell you, uh, if you've read all of 1 Corinthians and even in 2 Corinthians, this is a challenge that keeps coming up. It's immorality. Look at verse 12. 
Verse 12 says, I have a right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, I want to focus on these first few verses here. The believers were using a Corinthian slogan. Those two phrases that Paul uses right there at the beginning, uh, verses 12 and 13, those were slogans. Those were Corinthian slogans. And the church members were using these slogans to justify their immorality. Now remember, Corinth was a very populated city. Um, A lot of travel. There were many gods being worshipped in Corinth, including uh, the goddess Aphrodite. Uh, There were many, many temples in Corinth. And one of the main practices at these temples was prostitution, temple prostitutes. It was an accepted, it was an accepted thing in the city. And so Paul says, you're using this Corinthian slogan to justify your immorality. He said, everything is permissible for me. That was a statement of liberty. And so they were abusing that statement of liberty and that slogan. But Paul says just because something is permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. Just because something is permissible doesn't mean it's right, especially for believers. And so Paul was hitting this hard. He was saying, hey, look, just because that's an accepted, right, an accepted practice in your city, it is not accepted by the Word of God. It is not accepted in the church. And so don't use an outside slogan to justify what you're doing. That's what Paul was saying. Paul reminded the believers that their individual bodies, I love this, their individual bodies were actually a part of the united body of Christ. So so Paul is basically saying, hey, what you do out there as an individual, you do as a part of a corporate body. That's pretty powerful, right? How many of you like that pressure? You like that pressure? Not so much. Yeah, not so much. Um, you know, my kids, I, I tell my kids all the time, hey, the way, the way you act, you represent mom and daddy. You know, you represent your family. Um, I, I tell my family all the time, hey, don't forget, you, you, represent, you represent your school. Hey, don't forget, you represent your church. It, 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 
it's a pressure. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a pressure as a pastor, right? Uh, I have a high calling. I have a very, very high responsibility. Um, and there are times when I'm out there and I'm not Brother Jeff. I'm just Jeff, right? I'm just Marty's husband or I'm just, you know, Jacob's daddy or whatever. I, but here's the truth of the matter. I'm a part of the body of Christ. No matter where I am and no matter what title I have, I'm a part of the body. And so Paul reminded them that their individual bodies were a part of a united body. So when believers engaged in temple prostitution and justified it as a common practice or or any other sexual immorality, he didn't leave any of that out, it was making Christ, his body, the church, part of that immorality. Now, I know, like I said, this is a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to think about. But we must, we must think about it. More than that, Paul, he made a couple of pleas, didn't he? I mean, if you look at it right here at the second part of this passage, he made two pleas. Number one, Paul made a plea to the church, flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Somebody, somebody tell me what that word flee means. It means Run. Right? So let, so let me tell you, um, I was telling Marty, and I, I think it was Marty, and I can't remember who was with you. Was that Kim that was with you when I was telling you about the snake when I was running? I can't remember. Anyway, so yesterday morning, I knew the weather was going to get bad, but I, I, I'm, I'm training for my, my event, uh, my marathon, and I had to get my miles in, and I had to get this, this training in. So I got up yesterday morning, and I said, I'm going running. So I went running, and, and everything was fine. Uh, I run on, on public highway, so my head's on a swivel. I'm looking at cars. Well, I was on this side of the road, and I was coming across the bridge. Uh, there's a little bridge right there by Brown Road where I run. But there was a car coming in the other lane, so I couldn't, I couldn't get in the other lane, and I wanted to desperately because there was a king snake. And when I say king snake, it was one of the biggest king snakes I've ever seen in my life. And he was stretched out in the road right in front of me. And, and it was either completely stop or just take my momentum and jump as high as I could and run as fast as I could, all right? Many of you probably would have stopped. Not me. Turned around. Or, tur- or turned around. Not me. I sprinted and jumped as high and as far as I could, and I put on the jets just in case he had an idea he could chase me, all right? It's a, it's a king snake, right, but it's still a snake. I, you know, I don't like to kill king snakes. Uh, I don't, but I will certainly run from them. And uh, so, so in my mind, like I, that was happening yesterday. When I was running, all I could think about was what Paul said right there: "Flee, flee, flee." See, that's 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 what I think about when when Paul says "flee sexual immorality." He's saying, "Get away as fast as you can, as far as you can. Don't even st- don't even blink. Don't even think. Just run." Right. Flee from sexual immorality. That's what he says. Then he makes another plea, right? And I love this plea. Another plea he made was honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. When I was coaching basketball at OCS, uh, my boys knew, um, like I told them there's, there's some things we just can't, we can't control. For example, you may have a team you're playing against and they're just athletically talented more than you. Like you can't help that. You, you, you just, you can't replicate talent. You either have it or you don't, right? 
But I said the one thing you can do is you can work harder than the other guy. And as a team, you can work harder as a team than the other team, right? That's something you can control. And so I used to tell my boys, we're going to run today. And, you know, there were times when we would shoot free throws, and if they missed a free throw, we would run. If they made a free throw, we wouldn't. But there were many days where we were running no matter what they did, good or bad, right? And I always, again, I would always point to the Bible, and here's what I told them. I was like, what I want for you is I want for you to honor God with the body he's given you. With, with, with the practice he's put in front of you, with, with the opportunity to play, with the opportunity to perform, I want you to honor God. And I believe that's what Paul was telling the church at Corinth. I, want, I just want you to... He, remember, he was like a spiritual father to these children. Paul was saying, honor God with your bodies. Wherever you go, and whatever your hands touch, wherever your feet lead you, whatever you're able to do with your bodies... Make sure you honor God with it. You glorify God with it. So, so when we become Christ followers, I love this. When we become Christ followers, how do we do that? I'm going to tell you, the first thing, the first thing that happens when you become a Christ follower is you surrender. Isn't that right? That's the first thing. Like, you come to God in humility. You come to God in repentance of sinfulness and you accept, you embrace Jesus Christ, but the only way to do that is to say, I'm guilty. You know, people, people get re- repentance and sorry mixed up. Saying I'm sorry is not repentance. You can be sorrowful in repentance, but repentance is I'm guilty. Repentance is not saying, God, I'm sorry, busted, you caught me. No, repentance is God, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, and I don't want to do that again. I don't want that lifestyle anymore. So I'm turning away from that selfishness. I'm turning away from that sin, and I'm turning to you. I'm surrendering, right? I'm surrendering my wants, my wishes, my desires to you, God. And so when we surrender to God, right, we do that through repentance. We do that through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when we surrender... What does God want from us? Jesus, he tells us it's the greatest commandment. What does God want from us? He wants all of our what? Our heart. What else? Our, our soul. Our mind. Strength. Let me ask you this. Does that leave anything out of us? Physically or spiritually? Think about it. Heart, soul, mind, strength. I'm going to just tell you, that's, that's all of me. That that. That includes my body. That includes where I go. That includes what I look at. That includes what goes into my body. That includes what I touch. It's all of those things. All right? Paul says, honor God with your bodies. And so he makes another bold statement, another very powerful statement, and that is this. Jesus bought us. He bought us with his blood that was shed on the cross. Think about that for just a minute. Jesus bought us with his blood that was shed on the cross. So in faith, through humble repentance of sin and belief in Jesus Christ as Lord, as Messiah, we belong to God. 
We belong to God. I, I, I believe this with all of my heart. There's not a human being on this earth that doesn't have a sense of belonging, a, a want to belong. I just believe that. Now, are there some people who do better um, alone? Sure, there are some people who, 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 who do things better alone, but I'm going to tell you something. There's always that stirring, that sense of belonging. Like I belong, right? I belong. I'm going to tell you something. You were created in God's image, so you do belong. You're breathing the breath of life because God gave it to you. You do belong. You belong to Him. And Jesus Christ bought you, bought me with His blood. He paid the price for us. And so we are His children. You heard me, you heard me pray that this morning, right? We are His children. We are His special possessions. We are His ambassadors. And, and Paul, he didn't just say that to the church at Corinth. He said that just about in every letter. He reminded the church of who they were. You belong to God. You are, you are His vessels, right? Vessels of His love, His grace, His mercy, His truth to the world in which you belong. Don't forget it. Don't forget who you are in Christ. Don't forget that. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. And, I, and I've already said this. Are you perfect? Am I perfect? No. Are there going to be times when we fall in sin? Absolutely, okay? That, that's going to happen. But should we just brush it off? Should we just say, well, we're imperfect, so it's okay? Paul would say no. That, that's not, Paul, Paul, and he says that in Romans, and we can look at that at a later time, but, but, but grace is not a, a get-out-of-hell-free card. <laughs> it, it, it's not an excuse-this-sin card, Okay? And if you treat grace that way, then you haven't truly embraced grace. You have an idea of it, but you don't actually embrace it and own it. Okay? Yes, God's grace covers our sins. Yes, God's grace, like I said this morning, reaches beyond the borders. Right? You've never gone too far that God can't reach you. You've never gone too far. You're never too unclean or too impure that Jesus Christ can't save you, can't forgive you, can't restore you, can't rescue you. But that doesn't give us, kind of like the church here, that doesn't give us, uh, we can just use this slogan and justify our sin, our immorality. And so I want, you to, I want you to really feel what Paul is saying to the church right here. Right? Jesus bought us with his blood shed on the cross. We have surrendered to him. Let's honor God with our bodies. Uh, here, here's the truth of it. If we are God's children, if we are his special ambassadors, if we are, right, if we are his vessels to this world, then we need to live like it and we need to love like it. And you know where it starts? It starts in the home. It starts in the church. And it should filtrate every avenue of our lives, the workplace, the school, the store, everywhere we go. We need to live like we've been bought with the blood of Christ. And we need to love like we've been bought by the blood of Christ. I'm telling you, when the focus is on Christ, it's hard to focus on self, isn't it? When, when you're so in tune with Jesus, when Jesus is at the forefront of your, of your thoughts, of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, it, it's hard to think about yourself, which makes it easier when somebody wrongs you just to, just to be wronged. 
What does Jesus say? When an, when an enemy slaps you on the cheek, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. You can go back and look at that passage in Matthew I told you to look at. If someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. Sometimes it's better to be wronged than to actually be the one who's doing the wrong. Sometimes it's better just to be cheated rather than to resort to cheating. So this is a... Paul Paul is disappointed and Paul is hurt, as he should be, because the church is not being who she should be to the community God's placed her in. And, um, And it's a message we need to hear today. Because our world, I'm just going to tell you, if you read the Bible, you know this. This old world ain't going to get no better. Okay? It it, it ain't going to get no better. And it ain't going to get no easier to live in. Okay? But we can't just continue to cave in or, or compromise who we are and what God's Word tells us to do. We need to live like Christ and love like Christ And we need to stand up on the gospel and stand out for the gospel. If you look more like the world than you do the church, you got a problem. We got a problem. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to live like the world or love like the world. We're not. And that's going to be hard for the world. People are going to call us bigots. They're going, they're going to call us radicals, extremists, whatever, okay? But if I'm loving like Christ and living like Christ, whatever they call me won't stand up. It won't stand up. It, it, it won't hold, okay? So keep living like Christ and loving like Christ. Honor God with your bodies. Flee from, yes, Paul said sexual immorality, but flee from all immorality. Flee from sin. Right, the temptation of it. Turn and run. Jump as high as you can over that snake in the road. Right? And if you want to be like Brother Wayne, you turn around and go the other way. And find another way across that bridge. <laughs> oh man, this is good stuff.